out in the lobby on the Welcome Center, at the Welcome Center, and um, kids can kind of fill out the papers, and then if they do, they get one of these li Living Legacy books at the end, um, and they can accumulate those. And I think maybe next week or the following, uh, we're going to have like um, a little store back there where you can buy things with your Living Legacy books. So um, Ms. Michelle wanted you to know that you didn't get these last week, but you can get them today. So if you handed them in last week and didn't get a, a book, you get yours today plus the one you do today. So that is like really important information if, if you're like fifth grade or under. So um, so I want to get that out there. And the other thing was I, um, I am really glad that um, Ms. Ramona tried to hijack my um, thing this morning because, because it's not because she, I mean, she may, I, I'd have to ask her, so she may like to take control of everything. I don't really know that for sure, um, but uh, I, won't, I won't go there. But I think what really was happening was she's just so desperately and madly in love with Jesus that she can't hold it in. And I am incredibly thankful for that. And um, I think we're all thankful for that. And I think those of us who, um, who have identified with Jesus um, who have trusted in Jesus, um, believed in Jesus, but however you, you want to articulate that, um, you feel the same way. And maybe you're just a little jealous you didn't try to hijack my thing this morning. Um, because he is amazing. He is overwhelmingly like amazing. And um, has accomplished infinitely more than we could have ever accomplished on our own. And today... Um, just as every, my, my, always my struggle on Easter morning is that, like, we do, like, we do our due diligence, which is great, but sometimes I feel like we, we highlight, we highlight what happened that first Easter morning, and then we almost kind of walk away from it sometimes. Like, it's, like, important today, but it's not important the rest of the year. And that, that concerns me because it's, it's Easter that is important every year. But without Easter, we don't have the gospel. The God. When we say gospel as Christians, that means good news, right? So it's like the gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And the, the gospel changes every little bit of our lives for all of our lives. And, and like that's why Ramona jumped on what she did this morning, because you can't contain it. And like so Easter can't just stay here on this day. Like the, the gospel has to continue with us all throughout the year. And that, that's my hope for us, is that we will be that we are so impacted by Jesus that we can't hold him in or we can't restrict him to a day, but he affects every bit of our lives all of the time. Um, and I get really excited about that because I'm an absolutely horrible person. And um, on my own, I am, I am worthless. And I, I, I should, I am completely undeserving of God's love. I don't know if any of you can identify with that. Um, I suspect some of you can. Um, and I, I hope like today that God will open our eyes even more fully to that because when we, to a greater degree, realize our brokenness, we can, to a greater degree, realize God's greatness. And um, that's what he wants for us. So I hope that like today you'll be willing to allow God to like kind of pull back, you know, the curtains on some of the like the things you'd rather kept hidden to Him. I, we're not going to ask you to come up here and like confess everything to the whole church. Don't worry, like that's what I'm talking about. But like in your own personal like relationship with Him, that you'll allow Him to just kind of open you up a little bit to to 
to get in touch with some of the, the ugliness inside of you so that he can show you, even to a greater degree, more of his goodness. Um, so that is not the sermon, but that is really important. So the sermon today comes from a text um, outside of the Gospels. It actually comes from 1 Peter. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. It's toward the latter part of the New Testament. Um, if you get to James, like go a little bit further, and you'll find 1 Peter. Um, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Um, you're welcome to look at it on your phone if you have a, a Bible on your phone, or we're going to have it up here on the screen. Um, and it, it's from 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're, gonna, we're going to start in verse 4, and I think we'll go to about for verse 8 uh, today. Um, before, I, before I read that, um, let me pray for us, and then um, we'll, we'll talk about it. Father, um, we thank you this morning um, for loving us kind of these unlovable, ragamuffin, knucklehead people who um, consistently want to go our own way, even though it is the way that leads to death and destruction and brokenness and hurt and despair. Um, we thank you that you love us enough to, to not leave us there, but you, you, you loved us so much that you showed us that love by while we were yet sinners, you came, Jesus, and you died for us. When we wanted nothing to do with you, when we were running our own direction, you came and chased after us and rescued us. And um, we are incredibly grateful for that today. We would just humbly ask this morning, as we spend a little bit of time in your word, um, that you would open the eyes of our heart, the ears of our hearts, not just our physical ears or our physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes and ears, so that we could see you and we could hear you. And as a result of being in your presence, in, like being washed over by your Holy Spirit and filled with your Holy Spirit and, and, and hearing from you through your Spirit, that we would be changed. <laughs> and we would see you more clearly. And, and, and Father, um, if we don't know you, maybe we'd come to know you this morning. If we do know you, we'd get to know you better. And, um, and we would just be able to bless you, Father, with, with, our, with a relationship with with hearing, with being engaged with you today. So, Lord, this time is yours. We are yours. And we pray that you would glorify yourself through it for, for your glory again and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So Peter writes this book, and, um, and in the very first chapter, um, he, he begins his book by addressing uh, these churches in Asia, these peoples in Asia, um, and he writes to them, he, he first says hello to them in the first two verses, and then in verse 3 he says this, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He recognizes in like the very first like portion of, of his letter to these people, he, he recognizes that our life, our hope, our salvation rest completely and eternally on Jesus and on his death and resurrection, on the living hope of Christ. And he continues to talk about some of the implications of our, of our faith in him, of, of when, we, when we trust in him, we have hope in him. He talks about some more of those implications as he, as he works through that first chapter and, and into the second. He talks about uh, our holiness and, and spiritual cleanness in the latter part of chapter 1 and how we're now to give up evil practices. And we want to give up like really bad, like harmful practices in, in the first part of, of chapter 2, verse 1. 
And, and, and then he goes on and he says, if we're not just giving up these terrible, awful, hurtful, damaging things, but we're also taking on new healthy things. He talks about drinking the spiritual milk uh, from God and, and, and becoming healthy and mature followers of Jesus. Through all these challenges that Peter gives to the, the early believers, 2,000 years ago, we are reminded still today that life is not found in exercise, in healthy eating, thankfully, because I just went to desserts, etc. last night and had a sugar cookie with extra icing on it, um, taking vitamins and pills, or seeing a therapist on a regular basis. None of these are bad things. The problem only comes when we look to those things to do something that they were never designed to do. Eating healthy, exercise, taking your medicine may tack on a few years to your life, but it won't ex they won't extend your life indefinitely. There's still going to be co come a day when you stop breathing, when you no longer live here on this earth. It, it happens for everyone, the question isn't if you will die, it's when we will die. And that's what makes our text from 1 Peter so amazing today. In verse 3, he praises God because in his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. A new birth through Jesus, not through healthy living. You know, not through going to a psychiatrist. Not, not, not through any of those things. It's from knowing Jesus. That's where we find life. That's what we celebrate today. Because when the first disciples, the, the Marys, Mary and Peter and John, went to the tomb on that first Easter, they found it empty. Jesus had risen. That's not just a story we tell our kids. That's like historical fact. Like Jesus came back from the dead. He defeated death and it extends the offer of the defeation of death to us as well today because of what he did 2,000 years ago. Life for all eternity. That's what he gives us. And that's what Peter's referencing in the first part of that first chapter. But then he goes on in chapter 2. And in chapter 2, starting in verse 4, this is our text for today, he writes these words to those, those believers. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says... See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. I love this text for a lot of reasons, um, but one of the top reasons is what Peter says about this stone that is laid in Zion, this cornerstone, he calls it. We actually sang a song earlier called Cornerstone, which is really kind of a cool fit. But here he's quoting an Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah, and he's tying it to Christ. 
where God says that Christ is our cornerstone. A cornerstone, if you don't know, is um, it's one of the first stones that lay, is laid when you, when you build a building. Some of you are in construction, you know this. I'm the last person you want to work on your house. So, uh, but I'm pretty sure I got, got somewhat of the, the idea here uh, correct. But um, it's part of the foundation of a building. Uh, and it, it, like I said, it's the first stone that is laid when, when you're building a, a, a new building. Um, and, and because it's the stone upon which every other stone kind of finds its place or the other, every other stone rests upon, <clears throat> uh, it's, it's very important that its, its position is correct, um, that it is solid, that it's durable, because everything is resting upon that. Everything in the rest of the building is determined by this cornerstone. Some of the stones that um, in, in the Jewish temple, like the, the ruins that are in Israel today, in, in Jerusalem, some of the stones from that foundation, that temple, are still there, and it's estimated that some of them weigh 80 tons, which is like 160 pounds. Like, I'm not even sure how to fathom how, much, how big they are or how much that weighs. But, like, I think in a, at least from my perspective, like, that stone is unmovable. It is solid. It is stable. It has, has been there for a long, long time. It hasn't gone anywhere. It is resilient and steadfast. When Isaiah and, and hear Peter, what they're, what they're saying is that this is what God wants Jesus to be for us. He wants him to be our cornerstone. He wants his church to be built upon him. And because he is true, because Jesus is level, because he is good, because he is firm, everyone who builds on him Peter says, will not be put to shame. We will be solid and secure. We won't have to worry about him letting us down or him crumbling out under our feet. He will stand the test of time and any challenge that comes our way. And because of this, Jesus is, as Peter comments in verse 7, precious. Precious. On Thursday night, a group of us were praying here at the church building, and um, I commented to them yesterday that it was just a really, a really sweet time of prayer. And um, during our prayer time, um, one of the, the participants was, was praying and just praising God for who he is. And then there came to this moment as she was praying, and I, I'm not sure that I'm going I'm to be able to like quote her verbatim, but she said something to the effect of, there just aren't enough words or words beautiful enough to capture your majesty and your greatness, God. We just kind of got silent for a moment. And um, I, don't, I don't know, I, I think you've probably experienced this, but for those of us who have been caught up in Christ, who have experienced his, just the magnitude of his greatness and his mercy and his love and his care and his tender compassion. When, um, when we gaze upon that, I think we can kind of understand that sentiment that, that there just aren't words to describe him 
He's that amazing. He's that precious, as Peter says here in 1 Peter chapter 2. You know, I, I think of things that are precious to us. You know, we have some valuables that are precious. So what do we do with them? We lock them in a safe, right? Or we put them in a safe deposit box, some paperwork that you want to keep secure. You know, I think of, I, I talk about them a lot, but Dottie and I think of our children, right? We, we, and they are precious, so every morning we pray for them. Every night we pray for them because we want them to be kept safe because they are just so precious. They're so important. They're so valuable to us. And um, that's what Peter is trying to convey, that when we are founded upon the, the cornerstone of Christ, <laughs> that's what Jesus is for us. He's precious because he offers us a security, a hope, a promise that nothing else in this world will offer. Sometimes I, I've put... I don't know about you, but sometimes I've put my, my hope in things, right? Some of you put it, some of us put it like in retirement, and then something like, and this is like 11 years ago, like 2008 happens, right? And the stock market crashes, and we lose like a lot of our net worth in like days. We realize that's not so stable as maybe we thought it was. You know, we put our, 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 our hope, we, we, we build our lives upon people. We try to we say, well, they're going to come through for me. They're going to take care of me. And then we find that people aren't all that reliable. They hurt us. They lie about us. They take from us. They let us down. What Peter is trying to convey here is that Jesus will never do that. He will never do that for us. And because of that, he is precious. He is valuable. He is remarkable. Because of that, he deserves honor, and he deserves glory, and he deserves praise. He deserves everything we can hope to offer him. Because he is that good, he is that precious. But to, I think in part, just so the church is reading this letter or the people reading this letter don't get comfortable or think that Jesus is like this universal cornerstone that is given to everyone. He goes on to share another Old Testament scripture following that, that one from Isaiah 28. And, and, and he kind of gives them a warning. He's like, look, Jesus is, can be your cornerstone and, and God wants you to make him your cornerstone because he's never going to fail you. But that isn't just like a, a guarantee for everybody. That's not just like everybody automatically has that, like we're somehow entitled to that. And, and he goes on and he quotes from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. He says, Jesus basically can also be a, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. The other day I was walking downtown, or so, I was somewhere in Hershey, and I was on a sidewalk. And sometimes if you're, if you're walking on a sidewalk in a downtown area, um, and you're not careful, you come to a portion of the sidewalk where tree roots have grown under it, and they've grown under such a point that they lift the concrete up, or something else gets under there, and, and rather than being like this, one of the, the pieces of concrete in the sidewalk kind of goes like this, and if I'm not like, my dad always told me, don't look straight down when you walk, like look out, so like if I'm, but if I'm not like looking out and down at the same time, if I'm looking over here or over here, which I, or up there, which I often do, uh, 
I walked, and what I did was I caught the edge of my toe on that concrete, and I tripped. Fortunately, I, I mean, I tripped, you know, and, and you know what I did? I, I tripped, and I was like, <laughs> did anybody see it, right? I, I didn't go down on my face, but I was still a little embarrassed, but, like, that piece of concrete, because it was raised up just enough, rather than creating a nice, smooth walking path for me to enjoy, it caused me to stumble and almost fall. Similarly, P- Peter says, Jesus is the stone upon which he wants us to build our lives, but he's, that's not something that everybody just automatically gets. You don't just acquire it because of your status as being human. You're not born like that. It's not like a baby naturally crying, the sun creating light, or a cut causing us pain. You don't just get Jesus. And in fact, we are born into sin. We are born separated from Jesus. He is freely given to us. Scripture is clear about that. He is freely given. But you have to choose to accept him. He wants us, but not all of us want him. But much like a, he's kind of, he's similar, it's probably a poor illustration in some ways and a good one in others, but he's kind of like a birthday gift or a Christmas gift that's given, right? Like you could be given a gift and not receive it. You just be like, yeah, it's okay, and turn it away. Or you can kind of take it, but just sit it on the shelf and never open it. And if you never open it or you reject it, you never receive the benefit of what was given to you. Christ, in some respects, is much like that. He offers himself to everyone, but to enjoy the benefits of the gift, you must receive it. You must take it. Gifts can be rejected, and so can Christ. And so Peter makes clear, Jesus will only ever be one or two things for every person in this world. He will be the cornerstone upon which we build our lives and our church as a whole, or he will be the stone which causes us to stumble and fall. There's no in-between. And there's a conscious kind of decision for that cornerstone. It's not passive. It's not just automatically given. We consciously like choose it and decide upon it and receive it. It can't be both. Sometimes I, I've looked at God like this being that wants to prevent me from enjoying life. Anybody ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure you've kind of thought that too. Like, or raise your hand, it doesn't matter. Or friends, yeah, I've got a few, well, I kind of got like halfway raised hands. But that's okay, that's okay. Um, like he establishes rules and regulations and restrictions in order to keep me from having fun, from living life to the fullest. Now, I see others out there who are appearing to enjoy life <laughs> in ways that I can't possibly enjoy life because they're doing everything that I'm not allowed to do. And they seem to be just fine doing it, kind of getting ahead in some respects doing it. And I have to sit here and I, I just have to look at them and long maybe for the fun that they're having for the enjoyment that they're receiving. But I think as I gain more gray hair <laughs> and get a little bit older, um, the more experience I gain in life, um, and the more experience I have doing the wrong things, actually, is what has really taught me this. The more experience I, I have doing the wrong things, the more I realize that the opposite is true. The rules that God established are not to keep me from having fun. 
but they are to insulate me from the pain I will experience if I do things the way he doesn't want me to do them. The fun that others seem to be having by doing these, what God calls like more destructive practices, is, is a facade. And I, I have personally found out that it catches up with us. And um, God creates these rules and these parameters for us, not because he wants to keep us from enjoying life, but because he, precisely the opposite, he wants us to enjoy life to the full. And the only way we can do that is if we do it his way because he has designed it. He's done it because he loves us. So going back to my kids again, if you're listening, kids, um, I don't like tell them it's okay for them to go and do drugs. Like, listen to me, everybody. <laughs> it's, it's not good for you to go and do drugs, especially my children. Like, because I know that while there may be some momentary, like, like fleeting, like, experience of happiness through that, it is quickly going to go away, and they're going to be left with a deep wound that is going to stay with them for a long time. They're going to pay a price for that that is way higher than the momentary, temporal, really kind of short enjoyment. And I don't tell my kids, like, hey, just go play with knives. Like, it's okay. Like, just have a great time. Throw them at each other, you know, kind of like slice things like against your hand. Like, don't, like, I don't tell them that because I know that, sure, they may think it's really cool at first that my dad said I could play with a knife, but inevitably that is not going to pan out well, right? It's going to lead to a lot more pain than any type of enjoyment. And we, we laugh at that, and it's kind of funny. But that's kind of how we live sometimes. We live for these like momentary la- like segments of joy at the expense of a lifetime of fulfillment. Because we have believed the lie that those things are really what life is about. Whatever your thing is. I don't know what your thing is. I know what mine are, I don't, but I don't know what yours is. Jesus once said, the thief has come only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come, but I have come, get this, that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus does not hate you. Jesus does not want to condemn you. Jesus desperately, passionately loves you. Because of that, he, he wants to protect you from pain and hurt. And he has provided himself to be this cornerstone upon which you can build your life. But there's a reality to the fact that if we don't accept him as our cornerstone, he will become the stone that causes us to stumble. And that's the essence of what we celebrate today. The disciples approached the tomb that first Easter and found it empty because... Not because someone had stolen his body, but because he was alive. He's not, he wasn't just alive then, but he is alive now, today. And because he's alive, the hope for us is that we too can experience life in him through faith. Through faith, his life transfers to us. It applies to us. 
not based on our merit or your worth, the good things that you have done. It's not like this balancing scale, the scale that like if you've done just a little bit more good than bad, you know, you're, you're set or vice versa. That's not how it works. All of our scales are tipped towards the evil stuff, the bad stuff. But when we build upon the cornerstone of, of Christ, Peter says we will never be put to shame. We will never be left wanting. We have nothing to fear because Christ has overcome death. But we must choose. Christ wants you. I think the question before us this morning, and and don't think if you're a Christian that this question isn't for you either. This is for all of us this morning. The question isn't if Christ wants you. The question is, do we want him? You know, if you've already chosen Christ, if you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a disciple of Jesus, um, my hope and prayer is that we are mindful of what Peter instructs earlier in our text. He said that we are made priests. That we are being made, we are living stones now, not dead stones, lifeless stones, but we are living stones that are being constructed into a spiritual house. And as such, We are designed and called to make spiritual sacrifices to God, which means because we're alive and designed to this, there's activity that must take place in response to our being built upon the cornerstone of Christ. We are not lifeless stones. We are not a lifeless building. We are a living spiritual house that have jobs to do, and those jobs to do are to offer spiritual sacrifices to God every day, every moment, not just here on Sunday mornings by giving money, or by singing songs. But every day, I was talking with somebody this week, and they were saying, like, they just live to go to the grocery store with their wife because they go to the grocery store, and his wife goes and does all the shopping. Then he walks around the grocery store and tries to find folks who are vertically challenged, uh, who can't reach things off the top shelf, and help them to get them down. That's kind of cool, right? Like, every day. Like, and then he said, I also go out and try to help people, like older folks, to their, to their car with their groceries, but they started freaking them out, so i got to stop doing that. Like, which is probably good. It's kind of counterproductive. But, like, like, we are to live for Christ every single day. We are to offer spiritual sacrifices, not physical ones. The physical is empowered by the spiritual that's behind it and becomes spiritual. We need to give Jesus Everything. Everything. And we've got to commit to helping each other to do that. Talking with some folks, I'm going to close. Well, maybe I'll invite the worship team up because I'm going to close here. But um, Worship team can come up, yeah. Um, but I was talking with some folks earlier this week and talking about how when some of us struggle with sin and we just need some help kind of being pulled out of it, how it's really difficult to go to a brother or sister in Christ who you don't really know, who you don't have a relationship with, and say, hey, I don't think this is what God's best for you. It's hard to do that outside a relationship, because then it just looks like you're judging them, like you're condemning them, like you're just telling them what they're doing wrong, even if that's not our heart. But if we can do it inside the context of relationship, if we can build up... Sorry, I saw a line forming from worship. That's kind of funny. Um, But if we have relationship, we're able to deliver harder news in a way that it is received. 
because the person knows your heart. They know that you're not just there to, to like kind of put them down or to condemn them, but they know that you're coming to them because you love them and you care for them. And that's why I keep pushing us to like be building relationships with one another and with our community, but especially with one another. Like have lunch together, have dinner together, go out to coffee together, just invite each other over, to, invite me over to your house for dessert. I love desserts. Like, like do that kind of stuff, just hang out, be together, so that you have the relational currency when you need to challenge somebody that we can do it so that we can be a healthy church together. Because like, what we get by default is brokenness and hurt, and it's just kind of messed up. But if we take great intention based upon being built upon the cornerstone of Christ, and we intentionally pursue each other and challenge each other and love each other, then we get health. That's what Peter wanted for the church. That's what God wants for his church. Jesus can only be one of two things for us. We don't know what it is for you this morning, but we're hoping that all of us together will choose that he will be our cornerstone and not our stumbling stone. And when you find him as your cornerstone, what you will find is that he does not want to limit you. He, does not, he is not a killjoy, but he is a life giver. And he will transform what you thought was the best thing ever into something that is infinitely more enjoyable and lively. But we have to choose him. We have to choose him. So maybe what I can do is, um, maybe I can pray for us this morning, and um, if we maybe just start playing, and, and um, I'm going to pray for you, and um, then we're going to sing one more worship song as we close today, but um, Father, we just, uh, we thank you today for sending Jesus, you know, we thank you that, Jesus, you didn't come, into, come to the world to condemn us, your desire is not to see any perish, you don't want us to go to hell, but you came to give life. You came to give it freely. You came to, to give us what we couldn't earn on our own. You came to pay the penalty that we couldn't pay. <laughs> you went to hell for us. Today, that is not something that we are like dismal about. You know, that, that, is, that is something that, that, that um, brings us joy and brings us hope. And, and we pray in, in Jesus' name today that you would bring hope and, and life into us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, some of us here today I know are struggling, and we are hurting, and, and we've been wrestling either with the current relationship we have where we've kind of been turning away from you and trying to do our own thing, and we know we are not right, and we need to get back to this place of connectedness with you through your Holy Spirit and through repentance. And, 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 and Father, for those of us who are in that position, I just pray in Jesus' name today that your Holy Spirit would be moving in them in a powerful way to bring healing and hope and restoration. Father, others of us maybe have never had that before. Maybe you were sensing today that, like today's the day. Like, I've been running and I haven't wanted you. I've wanted to do my own thing, but we're, we're realizing that, that that's just leaving us wanting every time. We just need more and more and more and we're never satisfied and we want something that will ultimately satisfy us, that won't crumble under our feet, that won't fail us. And, and maybe today some of us are just realizing that's you, Jesus. And we need to be built upon you. For those of us who, who are in that place today, Jesus just is so excited and 
He just desperately wants to be your cornerstone if you will just receive him. If you will receive the gift of life that he is offering to you through the cross and the empty grave. He has overcome death for you. And if you receive it and begin to build your life through the power of the Holy Spirit on him, he offers that and, and will restore you. Father, we pray also today that you would unite us together as a people, that you will build us into this, this spiritual house as these living stones, that we remember that we are not Christians by ourselves. We, we, we are designed to be in community together, be building, built together. And, and each person who comes into your kingdom, who trusts in Jesus and, and builds their life on that cornerstone, becomes part of that house. And together... We are that house. And, and we pray that you would unite us through the power of your Holy Spirit in community. That we would, we would, we would be bound in, in such a way that nothing could tear us apart. That no wave or wind could blow us over. Not even the evil one himself could destroy us. We could, we could honor you in our, our solidarity that is created through your Spirit as we're founded on you, Jesus. So please, unite us. Build strong relationships among us here so that we can be together those bright shining stars in the darkness that will bring you glory, honor, and praise. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for not restricting us, but freeing us through the life that you give in Jesus. We pray that we could make you happy, that we could bring you joy, that we could bless your name through the spiritual sacrifices that we offer, through the life that we live for you. We pray all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have any questions about that, if that's something that's new to you, but you're just kind of like God's tugging on my heart, um, I'm going to be around after the service. Uh, I'd love to answer some of your questions. We'll have some other folks around that can, can help you with that, but we would really love to talk with you a little bit more about that. But as we close today, if you please rise and honor God with your voices and with your hearts as we sing to him now.